Amen. Well, who hasn't wanted a redo or playing sports? We used to call it, we used to play wiffle ball and we used to call it a, I want a do-over. Remember that? I, I want a do-over. Do you know who always asked for the do-over? The team that lost, right? And, and isn't that us sometimes? When I think through, through my short life and, you know, having just turned 30, uh, there's so many things that I look back on and say, man, I need a do-over. Amen? Anybody ever been that, been at that spot? You look back and you go, man, God, I need a do-over. I need a redo. And I hope you've been listening over the last couple weeks. You know, Pastor Derek talked about the power of the repeat and how it helps us to establish our beliefs and our values and our norms to experience positive results. And sometimes when life isn't positive, amen, has anyone noticed that the world is out there to beat you down? The enemy is out there to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And sometimes you get run over by the bus and you didn't even hear it start. You know, he talked about Positive results that only come from doing it over and over again. You know, when we talk about, and he's talked about over the last few years, finding your 15. Whether it's, maybe you need more time to read, maybe you need more time to pray, maybe you need more quiet time. Whatever that is, you've got to spend time doing it. Playing sports my whole life, and I know Farrell, Farrell understands this because he pitched and played, played sports. You just do it so much that it just becomes muscle memory. You just have to do it so much that you're like, man, if I was sleeping, I could do this. Well, that's, that's what our walk has to become. That's what our walk in Christ has to become, that it just becomes muscle memory. Now, it doesn't just become ho-hum muscle memory, but it becomes something that's so part of us that it can't be separated from us. You know, and last week, I, I tell you what, I don't know if Pastor Jesse Davis was talking to you, but she was talking to me. She was stepping on my toes that whole service, and then I took her to lunch, <laughs> right, just so she could turn the knife a little more, because I'm not always into the new. I'm okay with, with the next. I'm okay with, with, a, with a repaint, if you will, but she really talked about that when God says new, he means completely redone. Completely changed. Completely brand new. And, and sometimes what we try to do is we try to get involved in the process to where we're like, okay, God, you've taken it this far. I'll take it the rest. Anybody ever done that or is it just me? We're like, okay, God, thanks for fixing this. Thanks for taking care of this because I couldn't take care of that. Uh, but I'll take it from here. Right? We try to put a new veneer over something. Try to, try to paint over stuff to make it look new when really it's not new. Amen? So today I want to talk about hitting the reset. Maybe you've heard Pastor Derek, and, and keep him in your prayers. You know, I was complaining about the, the cold weather, right? He's in North Dakota today. So keep him in your prayers. He's, he's helping a, a church up there try to get re reestablished. No different than we did in Largo. So keep him in your prayers as he's traveling in North Dakota, right? You know where I don't want to be in January, February? North Dakota. 
Uh, so God bless him, right? But he's talked a lot in, in service and in staff meetings and to individuals about something called the Great Reset. Have you guys heard that? Uh, something that really changed in 2020. Uh, there was a group of, of leaders in the world that talked about a, having a, a, new, uh, a new reset. Here's what uh, Professor Klaus Schwab, who is the founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, here's what he said about the Great Reset. The pandemic represents a rare but narrow window of opportunity to reflect, reimagine, and reset our world. You know, we've had a lot of changes in work, a lot of changes in schools, a lot of changes in finances. A lot of families have succumbed to the Great, the great Reset. And from where I'm standing, I wouldn't say that it's all, great, all that great. I think they use the word great because it's big, not because it's great. Amen? And so I want to talk today about something bigger than the Great Reset because God is the greatest resetter in our lives. Amen? And you know, when I was reading about the Great Reset, because I haven't done a lot of research on it, it sounded to me like the Tower of Babel. Anybody familiar with that story? The descendants of Noah lived in an area of Mesopotamia in Babylon. They settled into a land named Shinar. And the population was growing, and they all spoke one language. And the people decided to build a, a tall, proud symbol of how great they had made their nation. Sounds like people involved in God's stuff, right? And so uh, the Babylonians wanted a tower that would reach to the heavens, if you remember the story, so they could be like God, but not need them, not need him. So they began to construct this great ziggurat. And what that is, is it's kind of got this level, and then you go up here, and then you go up here. It's not straight up. And so King Nimrod, now, I just want to say something real funny. You know, if, you're, if you didn't grow up reading the Bible... Right? I mean, I went to church, but I didn't grow up reading the Bible. I didn't realize that when my grandfather called me a Nimrod, that was not a compliment <laughs> until I was much older. So I'm going to get you, Grandpa, sooner or later. Uh, so Nimrod was the great-grandson of Noah, and he began his reign, and him and his followers had, had one overriding goal for their new territory. They wanted to ensure the security of their community, so they built this prestigious landmark to make a name for themselves. And I think that's what the Great Reset is about, all about. Making a name for themselves. Here's what it says in Genesis 11.4. Then they said, come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. So that we can make a name for ourselves. Otherwise we will be scattered over the face of of the whole earth. They called it into past, didn't they? And so today I want to talk about God doing a great reset in our own lives. You see, only He can reset us, remake us, and renew us. Only He can take what we've tried to build ourselves and reset it. So I want to tell you a little story about, are there any gamers out here? Big-time gamers. And you know what I mean. Your wife says it's time to go to bed, and you're like, I just need about five or ten minutes. And then she wakes up the next morning, and you're still sitting there playing the game. 
That's what I'm talking about. Well, I just want to tell you, my brother and I, we were OGs, original gamers, on that amazing thing right there. See, the Christmas of 83, I think it was, maybe it was 82, uh, not 18, but 19, uh, my grandparents bought an Atari, do you know what that is? Atari 2600, who remembers that? That was like an epiphany. Oh my gosh, Pong, no one could beat me at Pong. And they had a baseball game, of course, right? Man, I was so good at playing, turning double plays on that, man, my brother could not beat me. Well, on the far right-hand side, I know you can't see it, I, I, I downloaded this from the internet, but on the far right-hand side, there's a button. Anyone know what that button is? It's the reset button. My brother used to cheat so much. I'd be whooping his tail at Pong or at baseball, and he's not one to lose, just so you know. Uh, it's not within our DNA uh, at the Beatty household. Uh, and so he would, I'd be winning, and he would reach up, and you know what he'd do? He'd hit that reset button, and he'd go, oh, that was an accident. I'm like, you took your hand off the controller, you reached as far as you could, and you hit the button. How was that an accident? Well, let me tell you about hitting the reset button. Sometimes we need to do that in our lives. Amen? I've had to hit the reset button in my life a couple times, and thank God God was gracious enough to allow me to do that. And let me tell you something. When he hit that reset button... It was on like Donkey Kong. Man, we start fighting and arguing. And this wasn't at our house. This was at our grandparents' house. Uh, because my dad's like, that's not coming to my house. Because I do not want those idiots arguing all the time over this dumb, and my dad didn't use the word dumb, game. So you know where I'm coming from, right? He would hit the reset button. It used to make me so mad. So mad. Because I would be winning you know Jesus wants to make all new things in our life he wants to take those things that haven't turned out great in our lives and he wants to give you a, a reset he wants to give you an opportunity to hit the reset button and you know what unlike as mad as I used to get and I couldn't get that mad because he did wrestle that year and he was and he's bigger than me he's about this much shorter but he's wider than me, and so I, I was slightly afraid of him because he, he knew how to wrestle, and I didn't. Um, God won't get mad when you hit the reset button. God will not get mad if you get the, hit the reset button. In fact, he wants you to hit the reset button as long as he's involved in the reset, amen? So here's what I want to start with. It takes faith to hit the reset button. Here's why. Because so many times we think we can handle it ourselves. Now, I know I'm not talking to anybody out there about this. When I'm preaching to you, I'm really preaching to me. But we really think we can handle it. We really think we've got it under control. So I want to encourage you to take that first step. Take that first step to hit the reset. You know, when you hit the reset, you're, you're actually living part of Hebrews 
chapter 11, verse 6, here's what it says. As you draw near to God, you must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently, not, not kind of sometimes when I feel like it, but diligently seek him. He will reward that. But you've got to hit that reset. You've got to allow him into your life to move and to shake things. So we're going to talk about that today. Here's what Revelation chapter 21 verse 5 says. And he who's seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I don't know where you're at in your walk today. I don't know your background. I don't know the things that you've been through, what you're going through right now. But I know that he is making all things new. He wants you to be new in him. He wants you to be that bride of Christ covered by him in your walk. Not covered by you in your walk, but covered by him in your walk. Because what happens so often is that we think we can fix it. We think we know what's best for us. Let me be honest, and I've said this before, you only know one second behind you. You don't even know one second in front of you. So allow him in the process of making you new in him. It goes on to say in Revelation 21.6, and he also says, it is finished. He wants to finish a work that he started in you. In fact, it says that he's faithful and just to finish a work that he started in you, if you allow him. Because sometimes we start allowing him to work on us, and then we hit the eject button. We're like, oh man, no, I, nope. Not this, not this room, God. I've hid this in the, in this, this is my room, God. You can't have access to my room. This is where I'm hiding my stuff, if you will. But he wants to finish the work that he started in you. It says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life freely. It doesn't cost you anything but just coming under him. Amen? In fact, the New King James Version says, freely to him who thirsts. If you're thirsty today, call on him. Wherever you're at in your walk, call on him. So I want to ask, are you thirsty for a reset today? Because I believe that unless you are ready and thirsty, you're not going to hit the reset button. You see, when my brother hit the reset button, he had faith that, man, if I just get one more chance at this, I know I can beat him. I just need one more chance, one more chance. And let me just tell you, he couldn't. 
He couldn't touch me. Let me tell you something. Hit that reset button one more time. God wants to take whatever you're going through and he wants to fill you back up with him. It's time to put your pride aside and join God's great reset. Amen? And it can be hard to trust when you think you have it all figured out. When you've got it all under control. To take that first step. To reach out for help. But let me assure you, right now, as the Bible says, is the day of salvation. Right now, not tomorrow. Not next week, not next year. Right now is the time to hit the reset button. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. You see, so many times in life, we get caught not seeking first the kingdom of God. We seek other things to try to fill that void. Man, I'm so thirsty for God, but I'm going to try to fill it with this. Or if I can just have this, or if I can just get this, let me assure you, that new car smell wears out sooner or later. That extra dollar you got in the bank, it's not going to change your life. So many times we, we end up chasing those things that we think will fill us, but they don't. Seek first his kingdom. As I said, I've needed a couple resets in my life. Maybe you have as well. There's nothing better than a, a fresh new start, amen? And everyone looks at the new year as kind of that time to, to do that, but I just want to tell you, God's kingdom's bigger than January 1st, amen? <laughs> you can hit the reset button any time you need. Because he is making all things new. He wants to make something new in your life. That thing that you've been struggling with, that, that thing that you've been battling, whatever it is, he wants to make something new in your life. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. You see, you may say, man, no one understands what I'm going through. I mean, no one else in the world has ever been through this. That is a lie from the enemy. Because we have a high priest that understands right where you're at right now, who is tempted no different than you're tempted. So he understands. He has, he has empathy for what you're going through. And he wants to help you with that next step in your life. So I want to say, hit the reset button. Don't live in that any longer. Don't be miserable in it any longer. Don't try to carry it any longer. He says to pick up his cross, to carry his burden, to put on his yoke. You know, I needed a reset to a time when I wasn't bitter about my losses and defeats. Because someone who doesn't like losing, losing is not an option. And when you lose, it weighs on you. I need a time, I need a reset to a time when I was 
spending time with God and, and enjoying it, not doing it just because. You know what I'm talking about? I need a time to a reset when I love my family and quite frankly, when I love myself. Maybe, maybe you understand what I'm talking about. So hit the reset button. What do you need a reset to? What do you need to hit that reset button and say, God, I need you? Because I can't do it. I've painted it over. I've tried to veneer it. I've, I've tried to cover it up. I've tried to ignore it. I've tried to stuff it in that closet where no one's allowed to go. And I can't do it anymore. A do-over, a, do a reset, a redo gives you a fresh start. So here's what I want to say today. It's time to build on the rock. I think so many times we build on the sand. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you know where I'm talking about in the Bible? Matthew chapter 7, here's what it says. Jesus, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and let me assure you, the rain will fall. And the floods came in life, floods will come. And the winds blew, let me assure you, there are going to be times in your life when the winds blow. And beat on that house. You ever had that happen? I'm not talking about the house you go home to. I'm talking about this house. The rain fell. The wind blew. The floods came. It says, but it did not fall. Why? Because it had been founded on the rock. That's what a reset allows you to do. It allows you to rebuild those things on the rock of Christ Jesus. Here's how the end of that verse says, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand because the rains came because the floods came, the wind blew, and it beat against the house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. You see, when you build on the sand, and those things come, and let me assure you, if you've been around for any length of time, they will come, amen? You've got to have your house built on the rock, that will not fall. Pastor Derek likes to use this uh, from, from the scriptures a lot. He says there's, there's two ways there's two ways that Christ comes. One, the rock falls on you. I love when he says this. The rock falls on you and it grinds you to powder. Or number two, you fall on the rock and it breaks you. But he's able to put you back together. Amen? That's how life will work. Either the rock falls on you or you fall on the rock. There, there's no other way around it. So I say hit the reset. Start to build on that rock, Christ Jesus. Here's what Nahum 1.7 says. 
The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who take refuge in him. You see, when the rains come, when the winds blow, when the flood comes, I pray that you take refuge in him by hitting the reset. See, it's time to put your pride aside. Take refuge in him. One of the things that God wants to do through Christ is allow you to hit the reset button. To hit that reset button in our lives so that you can start fresh and anew. Because there's nothing better than a fresh start. And we get a chance to start anew with a new heart and a new mind that's being transformed back, transformed back into the ways before the fall. The way God wants us to be. So that's a that's a more of a personal reset. What about a, a corporate reset? You see, when you get a reset and you get a reset and you get a reset and I get a reset, now we've got a, a reset corporately. So I want to show show a reset corporately real quick. It was at the church of Ephesus. Maybe you've read this. Uh, John wrote to the seven churches in Asia. Here's what it said. Revelations chapter 2. If you want to read this, it's chapter 1 and chapter 2, part of chapter 3. He, he writes this to the, to the seven churches that are in Asia Minor. It says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Now, he's talking, not talking to the building at Ephesus. He's talking to the people who attend the building in Ephesus. So what did he say? Number one, remember your first love. Remember your first love and from where, you, from where you've fallen. He said, Repay, repent, turn around. That's what repent means. Turn around. Change directions in regards to your busyness, your schedule, your habits, your relationships, especially your mindset. Confess those things that have kept you from moving forward in God's kingdom. Get rid of those idols that you've installed instead of Christ. Last thing he said, he said, redo. Do the works that you that you did it first. Get back to your first love. Get back to those things that mattered most for the church. Amen? And we get to do that when we have a corporate resetting, a, a corporate redo. You see, they needed a corporate reset because that church had gotten away from what God had called churches to do. To put him first, to worship him, to spend time with him. So not only do we need a personal reset in our lives, sometimes we need a corporate reset as well. Here's what, and here's why. Because unity is important. See, the Holy Spirit can't fall down and spend time with us in our worship and in, in our time of preaching, in our time of fellowship, if there's not unity. 
1 Corinthians chapter 12 says this, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care one for another. Now, unfortunately, we're in the time of year where any, any channel you go to, other than grit, thank goodness. Anybody watch grit TV? Or is it just me? Every channel has football on it. Either they're playing football or they're talking about football. If you don't know this, I'm not a big football fan. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. My prayers are with you. Um, so can you imagine, think of your favorite football team. They, they, they break the huddle, right? Because this happens in churches sometimes, right? Why don't you come up here real quick, guys? Yeah, you and come up here. Come up here. We're going to go up to the top. Okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to say hut, hut, hike, and you guys are going to go different directions. Hut, hut, hike, you guys are all going different directions. Okay, I'm quarterback. Imagine that. All right, everybody down like we're playing football, right? Ready? Sit, hut, hut, hike. And then everybody goes a different direction, <laughs> right? Not quite that hard, but yes. You know, that's what happens when a football team doesn't have unity. You're good. <laughs> right? Hut, hut, hike. What if they all went different directions? Right? I mean, we see it. They call penalties for it. One guy will jump off, and the other guys are looking at him like, we were on two. Where were you going? Right? Or they try to hard count, right, to try to get the other team to jump off sides. Right? Well, that's what happens when they're not unity on the, on the football field. But what happens when there's not a corporate unity? Right? When there's not a corporate unity. So not, not just do we, we, we need a reset. And when we individually get a reset, we get a corporate reset as well. Amen? So that we can be in unity. Because there's nothing funnier than when you say, hut, hut, hike. And people ain't going the same direction. Amen? Ever happened in your household? Family meeting. I can imagine the Jackson family meeting. This is how it is. Hut, hut. You better go the right way. Right? And I can imagine that because it's okay. Right? Because we, we used to do those at my house too. And I assume that you do them at your house. Right? Usually at dinner, because it's easier to tell someone they're doing something wrong when you're feeding them, <laughs> right? My dad would do that. We knew dinner was at this time. You better be at the table, right? Well, sometimes we need that as, as a body of Christ as well. Hey, guys, we need to huddle up and have a team meeting here. We need a reset. We need to be in unity. Why? Because we want the Holy Spirit involved in the process, and when the Holy Spirit isn't involved in the process, it's not a good process. So we need that corporate unity as well. Did you know God can do a divine reset even when you're not ready for it? We see it through the Old and New Testament. God can do a reset because God moves in mysterious ways. I think some of the greatest 
evangelistic works and revivals have happened, not because someone prayed that day, but because someone was praying. Amen? I believe my grandma Beatty, great woman of God, went to the same church her whole life. Now, there was only two churches in that town, so it's just the way that it is. But she went to the same church her whole life. When she passed, I inherited some amazing, amazing books from her uh, that I've read. I believe that the reason that we've made it this far as a family, not just myself, but my brothers as well, is because she prayed for us. You know what I'm talking about? Grandparents, pray for your, pray for your kids. Grandparents, pray for your grandkids, and I know you do. Parents, pray for your kids. Because the things that you are praying today may not happen today, but they will happen. And so I think God can do a great reset, even when, not, even when we're not ready for it. Because someone prayed and God moves. Have you ever said or you ever heard someone say, man, that, that was just God? I don't know, but God got involved somehow. You know why? Because someone prayed. Amen? And God, God has mercy on us, thank goodness. And God does move in mysterious ways. The implication is that God's plan is beyond human understanding, no doubt, right? God has a reason for everything, how strange it may seem to us today. Here's what Psalm says. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. You see, God can do a great reset even when you're not ready for it. William uh, Copper, back in the 1700s, wrote this poem about God's mysterious ways. He said, God moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. You fearful, state, you fearful saints take courage. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. His purpose will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his works in vain. God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. Why? Because God sometimes works in mysterious ways. Thea Curley wrote this. The, the stories are ones we know so well. Moses and the burning bush, Lot and his angelic visitors, Gideon threshing wheat in the wine press. Throughout the Old and New Testament, we see the willingness of God to break into time and space to reaffirm the truth. He is able to show up anywhere at any time to accomplish anything. Time is not a hindrance for him. Location is not a challenge for him. And the unexpected detours of our lives do not confound him. As Pastor Derek has said many times, COVID didn't catch God off guard, amen? amen. You see, Moses had no plans of leaving behind his day-to-day -day routine to return to Egypt. Lot had no plans of uprooting his family and leaving his home. Mary had no plans of giving birth to a child before her wedding day. 
And Gideon had no plans of being a heroic or participating in a revolution. And yet, God does mysterious things. So let me just talk about one of the greatest resets. You may be thinking to yourself, I don't know if God, you know, I mean, I want to hit the reset button. I want to I redo. I need a redo, but I don't know if God can. So let me just tell you a story about Saul. Acts 9 has one of the greatest resets of all time. Acts 9, verse 1 through 2, it says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asking him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. You see, Saul had forgot one of the commandments. Thou shalt not murder. Or maybe because he was doing God's work, it was okay. I mean, God, it's all for you, right? You see, Jesus, having compassion on him, compassion on his children, gets involved. So if you think today you can't have a reset, let me just read a little bit about Saul. He was a murderer. He was a man that was so full of hate and anger toward people that weren't doing anything wrong. They were just worshiping God in a new and living way, amen? But he couldn't handle it. So here's what happens in Acts chapter 9. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. You see, Jesus did a great reset on a murderer. He was at Stephen's stoning. He held their coats, and he enjoyed it. And he said, Wow, this is a great idea. I should go to the high priest. I should go get letters so that I can go to the different synagogues in Damascus and I'll bring these guys back. Malicious. Calculating. Murderer. But Jesus did a great reset. And today, he wants to do a reset on you. You see, after Saul was healed from blindness, here's what it says in verse 20. Immediately, he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. That is an amazing reset. And that's what God wants to do in your life today. God wants to do a reset for you. Do something new in your life. Do something amazing that you can't do yourself. You might have tried and failed. But what a change. What a turnaround. What a redo. What a reset. To go from wanting to murder people who were worshiping in a new and living way to preaching, hey, this is a new and living way. 
and then writing two-thirds of the New Testament. Amazing. Do you know he can do that for you as well? He can do that for you today, right where you're at. Here's what Acts chapter 9, 21 through 26 says. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. What a turnaround. What a reset. So I just want to, want to finish this verse. I, I didn't put it on the screen, but it says, when many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. What a flip, right? He shows up in town to arrest people so that they can be murdered. And the next thing you know, after his reset, they're chasing him around town. But their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night. Now he has disciples. Let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. But check this out. And they were afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was now a disciple. That is a turnaround. That is a reset. That is a redo. And that's what God can do in your life. Amen. So here's what I want to ask today. Who will you amaze with your reset? You know, I just want to tell this quick story. Um, before I had my reset, uh, I was uh, the one who led the way to happy hour. I was there before anyone else. I knew exactly when it started, who had the best happy hour, you name it. I was there. And then uh, I, I got a reset. God allowed me to hit the reset button because my wife was definitely not happy with me and I wasn't happy with her. In fact, we called the first two years of our marriage uh, Friday night at the fights. And funny story and yet not a funny story. So, so I get this great reset. Start going to church, give my life to the Lord, start bringing my Bible to, to work and reading it at lunch and people are, are amazed the heck happened are you kidding me this is this is the guy who leads the path when it comes to partying they were amazed one of my, one of my good friends uh, we're still uh, still friends all these years 30 we've been friends for gosh longer than I think we've been married Kelly uh, 30 plus years he comes to me one day and he goes man I don't even know if we can be friends anymore now that you've given your life to the Lord. I said, I promise you this, I'll be a better friend than I've ever been. And I have been. Helped him through some marriage stuff. His car blew up. 
she drove our car for how long? I don't even, don't even know. Amaze someone with your reset, amen. When we stand this morning. Father God, thank you for allowing us to hit that reset button. Thank you for encouraging us to hit the reset button. Thank you for loving us so much that you desire to be involved in our life and and change us for eternity. But we have to take that step. We've got to have faith that you can and that you will. I don't know who needs a reset today, Father. But I just pray that they'll have the strength to put those things behind them. Start to go toward the the high calling of Christ Jesus in their life. To put those things that have that have dogged their heels, that have affected their life, that have affected their their work life and their family life, that have affected them financially and maybe with their kids, with their friends. Father, that you would come in, that you would make them brand new. That something new and amazing would happen in their life. Father God, if they're not ready for that, I pray that someone is praying for them so that you can do something supernatural in their life, something amazing in their life, something world-altering in their life. that will change the trajectory of their life. And if they're starting to to feel that tug by the Holy Spirit, that, that wooing and that drawing by the Holy Spirit, Father God, I believe that someone prayed. That someone prayed for them. Lifted them up. Someone desired to see something amazing happen in their life. Father God, I thank you for allowing us to have a redo, to have a restart. Not in our own strength or in our own power, which is, which is nothing at all. Father God, that we would begin to build our house on that rock that is not shaken by the wind or the rain or the floods. Thank you for loving us as a father loves his children and having compassion on us in our weaknesses, in our doubts unbeliefs. Father God, make us like that like that man who wanted his child to be healed and he said 
I believe, but help me in my unbelief. In Jesus' precious name, and everyone said, amen. Have a blessed rest of your Sunday and of your week. We'll see you next Sunday for our last week of reading.